nuclear proliferation, global pandemic, famine, environmental genocide, war. Mankind teeters on the brink of a second dark age. Everywhere you turn, chaos, anarchy, and shadow. In these bleak days, under the fading light, where businesses and the little guy are left for dead on the side of the byway, and people cry out for the rule of law, humanity is at a breaking point where there is no light at the end of the tunnel, and everything good seems to have been barred, or banned, or barred. Two men offer up their voices in the darkness, a shining beacon leading the huddled masses into the safe harbor of good business practices and occasional time travel. Here are your hosts, the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham, and L. Bradley Sheaf. I don't know that you could say it any better for the particular state in which we find ourselves than Black Sabbath said it over 40 years ago. If you listen to fools, the mob rules. And that's what we got. That's right, Brad. We have a lot of fools, a lot of mobs. I'll tell you what, I remember you and I at the Sabbath concert, I believe it was the, the old L.A. Forum back in, uh, was that like 81, 82, you were on shore leave. I was uh, but a young merchant marine at the time, and we, uh, we went into the Forum and we saw our first of many Black Sabbath shows. How exciting. I still have the T-shirt from that concert. Oh, come on, who doesn't? Everybody has that T-shirt. Great album. The album, of course, was also The Mob Rules. Correct. Great album, great T-shirt. Great shore leave, a night to remember. Who could have known that a mere you know, 40 or so years from that night, we would be sitting here in the middle of anarchy where we've elected a bunch of morons to, um, to lead us. And the, the morons have appointed other morons, as is uh, in, indicative of everything we uh, see on the, uh, the old C-SPAN or the, uh, the old Fox News or CNN. But we've got a bunch of fools around us. And that's why, Brad, we tell people, turn off the TV, put down the newspaper, put down the world book encyclopedia, put it all down, get out a pen, preferably fine point, uh-huh. a piece of notepaper, and start taking notes when you hear the theme to IP frequently. Because we are here, we are here for you, and we are here to help you. But we can't help people, Brad, who don't help themselves, who don't take down everything we say. Oh, that's absolutely right. I mean, when you are faced with, as you pointed out, a cascade of fools, you need guidance. You need a safe place to come to sort of place your anchor. You know where that spot is. You know you can operate from that point. And that point, my friend, we simply call IP frequently. And we're here. I Some call it IPF. People have tried to rebrand it, Brad, as IPF. We're not there yet. We may get there depending on how much dinero comes into the old IPF coffers, uh, but uh, we shall see. Again, we are the uh, the world-famous show, IP Frequently. We are glad to be here again in front of this live and boisterous and, and, boisterous and somewhat, somewhat uh, uh, sober studio audience for the first time in 2022. Yeah, no, it's nice to have, you know, everybody sort of back on an even keel. Good to have a full house. 
good that everybody is starting to recognize that no matter what you do and no matter what the government tells you, you should do that you're going to get COVID. And oh, by the way, in the vast majority of cases, you're going to survive it just fine. That's that is correct. And uh, and so, Brad, what we want to do is we do every week here on IP frequently is first greet all of our guests with a little hand wave handout um, uh, to everyone that'll that'll have one, a hot cup of joe and, and get going with the two big news items of the week that uh, small business owners have to pay attention to. If there's nothing else they do and they shouldn't be doing anything else, if they're listening to us and they're following instructions, um, this is all you need. You, you, now, of course, you should listen to the rest of the, uh, the, the show for uh, entertainment purposes, maybe a little bit of wagering later on, feats of strength. Um, but uh, really, these are the two big news items you need to pay attention to. Well, let's go. Uh, let's get right into it, Brad. The biggest story of the week, of course, is your friend and mine, Kamala Harris, the gift that keeps on giving. Um, of course, she went on national television. I guess I guess you can call PBS national television. I'm not sure. Sort of. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got those Muppets. And she's like one big Muppet at this point. Mm. Um, half her staff has quit. The other half have thrown themselves off of buildings. That poor bastard who was in that Instagram picture is nowhere to be found. He's gone. Yeah, of course he is. Anyway, so she goes on the uh, PBS uh, uh, news the other day, and she started talking about the fact that she knows that everyone wants, wants to get back to normal, but we have reached a level of malaise in this country that's unforeseen. And the level of malaise that the people are feeling in this country is what is keeping the economy um, dampened down, what is hurting the president's approval ratings, and what is hurting her approval ratings and her chance to ascend Brad to the presidency. Mm. And so not since Jimmy Carter is, have we had such an inspiring speech from someone with a, uh, an executive uh, office in the, uh, in the white house. Uh, seems like she's just doing a cracker Jack job. She just keeps one upping herself. Yeah, no, she's amazing. I, who thought it was a good idea to put three things together, Kamala Harris news and television right? Especially television that people could conceivably watch. It just never ceases to amaze me. What do you think is going to happen when you are paying people to stay home? And then when those people finally get fed up of their own fat ass lying around on the couch and think to themselves, well, maybe I should show a little gumption. Maybe I should get out there and get a job. They turn on the news and see their leadership and just say, nope, I'm going right back to the couch. There's no hope. Yep. No, that's that's exactly exactly right. And and the good news is this speech was sort of a pivot point for her because uh, I, I think the day before she gave this speech, she gave another speech where she equated the January sixth insurrection to nine eleven, to nine eleven. <laughs> Literally said they were basically one and the same. I mean, mm -hmm. this is a this is a vice president of the United States of America, right? Andrew Johnson once had this role. Dan Quayle once had this role. Right? Spiro Meta. Agnew. Spiro T. Agnew. One of the greats. Yes. Yeah. Governor of Maryland. I didn't realize it was Spiro T. I just thought it was Spiro with a silent T on the end. I pronounced Spirot for a while, but then someone told me it was just Spiro. So that was his middle initial. It was Tiberius. Yeah. Well, there you go. Oh, I like that. Just like uh, Captain Kirk. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Nixon, Nixon, Nixon picked him. So he would be assured of winning Maryland in 68. Well, there you go. And he did. 
So there you he have sure it. Did. He sure yeah. did. And, and Agnew, I don't think he even went to prison until 71 or 72. That might have been 73. Yeah, no, he had, he had a much longer run than the actual president. Yeah. yeah. But that was nice. It was a nice. Good man. And mm-hmm. uh, was a better vice president than Kamala Harris. As is my current right sock. Yeah. Well, we don't want to talk about socks on this program, Brad. We know we get in trouble. But uh, I would say, what, what do you think about the comparison of the uh, insurrection of January 6th to 9-11? Do you think uh, January 6th, I mean, obviously, it's a date that will live in infamy, um, will not will not go away. Um, but do you think it was worse than uh, 9-11, the worst terrorist attack ever to be uh, uh, perpetrated on the United States mainland? Well, buddy, as you know, it's not something I, I talk about often, but as an FBI agent, I found myself in the financial district of Manhattan on 9-12 of 2001. I got sent there by the Bureau because of my particular position at that point. And I can tell you it was, it was devastating. It was gut-wrenching. It was, I mean, just one of the, and, and you talk to a guy who spent a fair amount of time looking at unpleasant things, it was horrific. Thousands of people had been killed. People were literally throwing themselves out of buildings because dying on the way down or upon hitting the ground was preferable to being cooked alive in your office building. And that is what your vice president is comparing January 6th to. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just stop. I mean, if for anybody who's old enough, just remember back. It's not pleasant. It's not something I encourage people to generally do. But remember where you were and what you were doing on 9-11. I know you do. Remember the horrific things you saw on the television. And then remember that your vice president just compared that to January 6th. Yeah. It's unconscionable. Yeah, she is a uh, she is a true muppet in every um sense of the word but you know what you know what brad um probably only have to deal with her for a couple more years well let's hope i mean i just i cannot imagine that she hasn't put her own wooden stake through her own heart politically at this point but i guess we'll find out that is something we have to stay tuned for and buy the popcorn next the second big story of the week some would say it's the first um, you know, Brad and I are always ones to call um, the spotlight or um, attention on animal cruelty, mm. right? We don't, mm-hmm. we don't like it. We stood nope. up for the lobsters, other crustaceans, king crabs, Brad, the king crabs, we were there, ducks, foie gras, gras, gras. And uh, now comes probably the most disturbing story of them all, Brad. Of course, uh, you and I know that... Um, a couple of years ago, the great late Hugh Hefner passed away. Um, well, now a new uh, book emerges about the dark side of Hef's Playboy Mansion. Apparently, Hef had a dog, Lewis, named after Lewis the 14th, I believe, the Sun King, maybe the mm. 15th or 16th, not sure, um, tiny poodle. But apparently the poodle hung around the Playboy Mansion so much that he was addicted to cocaine. Um <laughs> To nose candy. And uh, now there are um, uh, stories that are finally coming to light because, again, this is a scandal. And um, the dog would smell the cocaine from across the room and he would run over. And when people weren't looking, would lick it up. Uh, Quote, Lewis developed his addiction by dipping his nose into the huge vials 
of cocaine found throughout the infamous Playboy Mansion, and he wouldn't stop until he went to sleep. Um, of course, he coveted cocaine so badly that he licked the powdery residue off the faces of celebrity guests who were passed out at the mansion. So again, Brad, this is a, a tragedy. Um, this is a, a problem, maybe not for the poodle, but, um, and, and the, the ironic part is, as far as I can tell from all the reports, this poodle is still alive. Well, of course it is. It's on cocaine. Yeah. Probably also very much enjoyed the Johnny Carson show. I'll tell you what, Lewis loved that Black Sabbath concert. Well, I mean, Lewis was one of the few that got to get up on stage and, you know, kind of harmonize there with Ronnie James Dio all the way through the performance. But again, when you're a poodle that's high on cocaine and regularly parades oneself around the Playboy Mansion, you can do what you want. Oh, yeah. And apparently this dog could smell the cocaine across the room. But unlike police dogs that would start barking or give some other hand or paw signal to the officers mm -hmm. for the arrest, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. this dog would just go over and snort it up. Well, you know what, buddy? I mean, who are we to judge? Different strokes for different folks. Police dogs, you know, they sort of train maybe slightly a different way, probably don't spend as much time around half-dressed starlets. So, you know, I mean, they do what they do. But if you're Lewis, it's probably for the best that you, uh, you know, take a line or two, as they say. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly it. So um, keep it up, Lewis. Uh, and, and we're also here for you to the extent you check yourself into any canine rehab. Uh, we're here for you. We're not obviously really there but um well yeah. i mean we're not trained dog addiction counselors but i think we do a good job yeah no ab absolutely absolutely um next brad is the big um uh president of the united states obviously you are uh, uh a, a resident of the uh, uh the sunshine state of colorado beautiful state uh landlocked i believe uh yeah. and um there are obviously terrible wildfires tearing through uh, the state of Colorado, about a thousand homes have been destroyed. Um, some people we know have lost their homes. Uh, and uh, and obviously the president is concerned about that. He went out to um, Colorado and uh, joined the crazy governor and a bunch of crazy dingbat officials to console the people whose houses were lost by saying that in his build back better plan, you're going to be able to build uh, your house back better with green energy. We're going to have windmills. You're going to see a hundred yard wingspan of windmills. Each propeller will be a hundred yards long. So there's much to be done. Uh, and it's okay that you lost your house because at the end of the day, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, again, we, we've discussed this ad nauseum here on the show. Joe Biden is a lunatic. I mean, Joe, Joe Biden has lost it. If he ever had it, He's now clearly lost it. It's a good way to sort of lull people to sleep and to present your case in a multifaceted approach that is sort of like, you know, the, the old circus when it would come to town. Well, now the clowns have absolutely come in. I mean, there is no question of that. They've taken up residency in the office of the president and the office of the vice president. They're happy to go out in public and display their lunacy. There is a finish line for this. That's the beauty of democracy. I think a lot of people are looking at the votes they cast locally and nationwide and saying, oh, 
I wish I had that to do over again. Well, guess what, my friend? You do. And so let's hope we can just carry that on. Yeah, that's right. And as Lewis the dog would say, let's go. Brad, um, so we've learned a lot about our leaders. They all appear to be morons. Uh, it seems like Lewis the dog with the cocaine habit had one way of coping with it. But you know what? I think maybe if we focus a little more granularly on some of the issues of the day, we can maybe make sense of this all. What do you say we give it a try? Uh, you know what? Let's give it a try, my friend. I mean, you and I are famous for never saying die. We'll try anything once. Let's do it. Okay, perfect. So uh, this week, the final rule of law uh, met the um, uh, Biden vaccine mandates. That is our greatest legal institution where the best of the best, Brad, sit in judgment over the rest of us. The Supreme Court heard the various cases on COVID vaccine mandates. And obviously, anytime that much uh, uh, intellectual firepower gets together, uh, sparks are going to fly. And they did. And they certainly did. Uh, it looks like the, the uh, based on just the, the different hearings and the questions, it looks like the conservative majority may reject some of the mandates, maybe not all. Um, but what was really interesting was going through the different arguments. You saw some of the well thought out um, uh, questions from Justice Thomas, from uh, um, from Justice Gorsuch, and um, even Justice Roberts made some interesting nuanced arguments. But then when you got to some of the questions of the folks defending the mandates who sit on the court, it seemed like you hit a lot of people who were frantically trying to do whatever they can to save the Biden vaccine mandates. And of course, those are mandates saying you as a private business owner must uh, require that uh, your employees get uh, vaccinated or you have to pay some fines and you have to pay to test every week and you have to test even the uh, people with no symptoms and then quarantine them in a room for five days. And, and it's crazy. And it results in things like what we saw this week with uh, the good folks, the, the fabulous folks at, uh, at, um, at Citibank who uh, announced that they are uh, uh, laying off all unvaccinated employees by the middle of January, basically putting them on unpaid leave until they quit and then they fire them if they don't quit. And so that's the result of the mandates. But you have these liberal justices like your, your good friend and mine, uh, Justice Sotomayor, who talks about the fact that, I mean, just misstatement after misstatement after misstatement about COVID, saying that Omicron is, deadly as, is as deadly as Delta, and we're in no better condition now than we were at the beginning of the pandemic. And there are 100,000 children currently hospitalized with COVID-19, Omicron variant. I mean, just making this stuff up. And it, it seems to me that we have gone completely nuts when the Supreme Court is the biggest source of disinformation we have on this, uh, this you know, air quotes, pandemic. Well, everybody got all kinds of problems there, right? I mean, first of all, and this has always been the case on the Supreme Court, I mean, you're always going to have trouble when you're expecting a bunch of, you know, let's just give, let's just give them the benefit of the doubt for the sake of the argument, you know, judicial um, you know, scholars, jurisprudential scholars, folks who know the law and the practice thereof inside and out, and you start handing them issues that are straight science, 
right? I mean, that, that has always been a problem, not just the Supreme Court, but many of our courts, right? I mean, these folks were previously lawyers, they have history degrees, they have you know political science degrees, they have English degrees, and then they go to law school and all that is wonderful. And then they eventually become a judge and potentially a justice, but they are not scientists. So, so you've got that problem right off the bat. And unfortunately, one of the things that seems to happen to you when you become a Supreme Court justice is you think you're smarter than everybody and you forget that you have very little to no training in science at all. And so you just start popping off at the mouth like Sotomayor did. Secondly, I mean, to your point, we're in real trouble, right? I mean, a third of our governmental system is the judicial branch and the genius system of checks and balances, which our founding fathers put in place, depend upon the judicial branch taking a judicial view of the issues brought to them, right? Just, and, and, and they should be well prepared for this. We just went through it, right? They are experts at this process. They, sh- they need to be able to isolate themselves to the meets and bounds of the law and speak to that Right. But unfortunately, no one's interested in that. Right. Especially for whatever reason, in this case and on the left, you've got all of these justices who have they just don't care what the facts are. They don't care what the law is. They are trying to prop up a liberal government, no matter what it costs and no matter how foolish they look. And when you have a judicial system that is throwing the facts and the law out the window, in order to be able to implement a political end, you've got real problems. Yeah, and it seems like they're all doing it, right? I mean, you had Sotomayor saying that 100,000 children are currently in hospitals, when in fact, I guess they're about 700. She said many of those kids are on ventilators. There's no, there's no basis for that. I'm literally saying this in the Supreme Court. Um, and then you had Justice Kagan who said that the best way to prevent the spread of COVID is for people to get vaccinated. Again, that's not necessarily true. Um, It's the best way to certainly protect yourself. Uh, And then the best, the best was your boy in mind, Stephen Breyer, who will not quit saying that, and I quote, 750 million people tested positive for COVID-19 on the day of the hearing. So obviously in the US. So that would mean that all of us would have to test everyone, every American would have to test positive for COVID like two and a half times. Yeah, every man, woman, child, and cocaine addicted dog tested positive for COVID-19 three times on that day. Yeah, yeah, that's how you would have to hit that number. I mean, it's crazy, it's crazy. And these are the folks who are, you know, basically judging. And of course, when you look at social media, I mean, people are being shut down every day on Twitter, on um, on uh, Facebook, and all these platforms, which obviously you, as our listeners, don't need to go near because they're fountains of disinformation, and you get all your news here. Um, but people are being shut down for passing disinformation, and you have these members of the Supreme Court saying things that are clearly false, clearly false. Well, not only and- false but outlandish. Yeah, insane, insane. And no one is calling them on it. There's no little asterisks or, or little um, fact checker uh, under uh, you know, these these comments on um, any of these platforms. It, it really is crazy. And then the White House, when they're asked about it, 
they're just silent. They just have no, they have no comment. It is, it is, we have, we have literally entered the land of the absurd. And if you think that that's it, and you know, it's just a little thing, that's not that important. Uh, and, you know, it's just a couple of people on the, on the Supreme court, just saying things that are stupid. Um, you then take a look at some of these broader um, issues, right? You take a look at some of the um, ways that these um, uh, cities and uh, municipalities are spending the COVID resources they're given from the federal government. And you learn that um, a, a bunch of these towns like uh, New York, like um, Minnesota, like, um, uh, and, there, and there's, just, there's just a list of these different, uh, these different uh, cities and towns. Uh, Utah, even parts of Utah are rationing COVID-19 therapeutics given to them by the federal government based on race. Say it again, they are rationing these therapeutics based on race. Um, it is just, we have literally entered the looking glass here. I mean, it is, it is absolutely crazy that we're now using racial criteria to determine who gets the Pfizer uh, uh, therapeutics uh, on uh, to help treat COVID. It's, it's crazy. Well, it, it, I mean, buddy, you get, there's nothing more to say about that. It is crazy. We have lost it. We have been sold a bill of goods on the ramifications of this pandemic. It's, it's coming to light. It's going to continue to come to light. People have lost their jobs. People have lost their lives um, because of the unrest that has been caused by all of this. People have lost their lives. And, and this unfortunately happens. I'm not blaming anyone here, but people have lost their lives because of the medical response to the initial appearance of COVID. Lots of people put on ventilators who shouldn't have been. And being put on a ventilator is not, I mean, it can be a life-saving move when it's necessary, but when it's not necessary, it's a very invasive thing to do. And, you know, in the medical world, they jumped all over that early because, you know, there was reporting out there that, that that's what was, you know, was necessary because COVID was so devastating. And, and you stop, I mean, you stop and think about it and you start to back up a little bit and say, well, wait a minute, have we ever seen anything like this before, right? Has mankind ever faced a pandemic before? And, and obviously the answer is yes, many times, right? And pandemics that were much, much more dangerous than this one. The difference has been that unfortunately, as ironic as it may be for this one, we had the internet, right? And so unlike, you know, just pick Spanish flu in 1918, right? No one knew that was coming. No one knew where it came from. No one knew much about it. And so what happened was, as people began to get sick, responses to the facts on the ground were what you saw, right? The, the medical folks, the public health folks, the government folks responded to what was presented to them in the form of the medical situation, right? There was no disinformation. There was no social media. It was just, what is it? If I'm a doctor, if I'm a, you know, a local leader, if I'm a national leader, what am I looking at? What do I, what, what can I make out of it? And how do I respond? And, and I think that, you know, and someday this is unquestionably going to happen. There's going to be a retrospective done about the response to previous pandemics. I mean, just as, as recently as the swine flu, right? I mean, this response to recent pandemics versus the response to COVID-19. And it's going to be clear that the response to COVID-19 was just 
lunacy, just over the top, fear mongering lunacy. And the reason that it was, was because of all the disinformation that was suddenly available from all of these outlets and these jackholes who made billions of dollars because they invented something like the tweeter suddenly becoming the arbiters of what the truth was. And no one responded to the facts that were presented to them. They responded to all of this information, just an overwhelming flood of information, the vast majority of which was just crap. And that's what everyone responded to from senior level governmental leaders to doctors, to the Pentagon, everyone. And it's just crazy. And the White House, who has been at the forefront of saying that we are in the middle of a crisis of misinformation and all the people that even question the vaccines, and obviously you and I are vaccinated, we're not doing that. But even if you did, it's a free country, right? It's a free country. Well, but it's supposed any- to be. You would think. And everyone who's questioning the vaccines is passing misinformation while you have Supreme Court justices saying things that are 100 percent incorrect. There's no debate about it. There's no nuance you can put on it, no spin you can apply to it. It is 100 percent factually inaccurate and they get a pass. And then at the same time, at the same time, uh, the administration is encouraging cities, uh, states to practice some some sort of racism in determining who gets these therapeutics and who doesn't. And they're literally trying to funnel them to northern states as opposed to southern states. States like Florida can't get a hold of them. And at the same time, you know, Florida right now has one of the highest um, COVID positive rates or number of cases rather in the country, but one of the lowest death rates because of the way they handled it. They kept the economy open. They focused on therapeutics. They focused on getting people better. And, um, it, it, and and so it tells you that states like that, states like Texas are doing something right. And these other states that are literally rationing out this stuff um, that is desperately needed by people based on the color of their skin, um, they're doing something incredibly wrong. And you have to think that there is going to be a seismic shift in the election, in, the, in, the, in sort of the election results this year that lead to a lot of these idiots being shown the door. Well, let's hope so. I mean, again, to, to me, it's not even a, a party line thing. I mean, every remember, if you're listening to this, you're either a dog that's high on cocaine or a human being. You're one of those two. And if you're a human being, remember that for your entire life, and if you happen to be you know, in the, the middle age years, as David and I are, it's been a relatively long period of time, you have gotten sick almost certainly on an annual basis. And you didn't think twice about it. Maybe, maybe more than once a year, you got a cold, you got the flu, you got some bacterial infection. You didn't think twice about it. You didn't wonder what it was. You didn't do research on what little bug was crawling around in you that wasn't supposed to be there. If you felt lousy, you didn't go to work, you stayed in bed. If you felt really lousy, you maybe dragged yourself down to the dock and said, geez, I feel miserable. The doc does whatever docs do. And shortly thereafter, by the benefit and blessing of living in the country in which we live, you got better. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, nothing has changed, right? But we have forgotten all of that. And folks, when we go to the polls, do yourself a favor. And I know I have been guilty of this in the past where you know I don't do my, my homework, especially for local officials, it's too much of a hassle. You can't remember their names. You get in there, you're like, ah, I'll vote for this guy, I'll vote for that guy. Don't do that. 
right? I mean, if there's one thing that this pandemic should have taught us, it's the critical nature of some of these jobs, these local political appointed jobs that you never thought twice about until you're in the midst of this thing. Like no one could name their county public health commissioner until this pandemic. And Who yet, is Louis the dog? I, I believe Louis the dog is actually, could be California's public health commissioner for the entire state. But you couldn't name your county public health commissioner until suddenly that person was in charge of what you could do, whether or not you could go to the grocery store, whether or not you could eat in a restaurant, whether or not your child could go to school, which we would have never guessed, you know, even a couple of years ago that, that some public health commissioner would be in charge of the education of your child. These votes matter. So review what these people have done. If you think they've responded appropriately, great. Let them stay in their jobs. If they haven't, I don't care what party they're in, get them out. Get someone rational in there. And, and my hope is, I, I'm not confident of this because it just sucks so bad to run for office in this country anymore because the media is spiteful and you know there's, there's, there's just no decent public de discourse anymore. There's just fighting. But it, my hope is that it will inspire some just regular, decent folks to run for some of these local offices and inject some sanity back into what we have going on. Yep, absolutely. Now, of course, last week we talked about the fact that uh, you're, for the, I guess, the queen of Brooklyn or the queen of Queens, uh, Representative Octavia Antonio Cortez, has um, been partying maskless in Miami, Republican state, Brad, red state, Florida, red state. Hmm. And um, and she's partying there and she accused uh, the people who are making fun of her on the Insta face of all being in love with her and secretly wanting to date her. Well, now she is headed back to New York and she has contracted the uh, COVID-19. Um, obviously uh, not ideal, uh, but uh, but, uh, you know, I guess what goes around comes around. Well, and, you know, let's see what happens. Right. My guess is. She's going to be fine. Like the vast, vast majority of people who get COVID, she is young. She's apparently healthy. She's going to be fine. And, and, and again, my hope, and I realize particularly with this hope that it is a hope in vain, that she will take a more rational approach to what she says about COVID and the methods of, of handling it from a public policy perspective. But she won't. And she's been spending a lot of time making uh, hay on the fact that the red states are all, you know, basically Neanderthals and states like Florida don't have appropriate controls. And of course, that's the first place she goes during the holiday season, contracts the virus, which I'm sure is, is you know, probably um, uh, for her uh, young person, minor and um, but, but, but the fact is she's, she's never going to own up to any of her actions and she's just going to continue to do what she what she's done but I do, I do think it's ironic that uh this has happened and uh there are there are lessons to be learned here and it's not just don't you know don't don't walk over to the pile of cocaine on james Conn's beard and lick it off brad there are other lessons here although that's a good lesson yeah i mean you know he lived in the playboy mansion for i think two years the early 70s some would call them his salad days others wouldn't but he was a good friend of louis the dog 
Um, and we've also seen your friend and mine, Senor Fauci, back up on the hill, yelling back and forth with Rand Paul about the fact that Dr. Fauci um, feels threatened by a lot of the people that are, uh, I guess, sending him hate mail because he shut down the country for the better part of a year and a half. Um, and uh, attacking Republican senators as morons for asking questions about game of function research that he funded in that Wuhan lab. And, mm-hmm. and, and just another, enti- first of all, he's 80 something, right? Why is he even there? He, he, time has passed him by. This isn't some uh, stage old oracle who's helping us through a crisis. This is a, uh, a, a guy who is in love with himself, who uses every opportunity to uh, get himself into the headline. And is has not done. If you look at it, there's really not one thing he's done that's right, or even makes sense. I mean, he's contradicted himself a hundred times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember he suggested everyone go on cruises when they shouldn't, and then wear masks, don't wear masks, forget masks, wear masks. It, it just, but it, it would have been better if he just said, "I don't know." But I think someone of his ilk can't say that. He can't. Uh, he can't admit that he doesn't know. And so he just makes it up, which is what AOC does. It's what uh, Kamala Harris does. It's what Joe Biden does. The only one so far we've talked about with any common sense is Louis the damn dog. Yeah. And so I, if we could get Louis the dog on the show, that would be helpful. We could get some countervailing points to what Fauci is just making up and putting out there. I mean, I honestly feel bad for people like that who, who don't know the freedom and the relief of being able to look at someone who has asked you even a reasonable question and say, you know what? I don't know. If it's my job to know, I'll go find out and then I'll get you a right answer. If it's not my job to know, I can just honestly tell you, hey, I, you know, I hear you, but I just don't know. It, it, is, it is an incredibly freeing thing to be self-confident enough to be able to say, hey, you know what? You asked me a good question. I don't know the answer. But unfortunately, that pandemic in and of itself has gotten all the way to the Supreme Court, and we simply cannot have it. We're here uh, walking through some of the morons that are running us uh, through our day-to-day lives. Uh, David Pritam here with Brad Sheaf. You can learn more about us at ipfrequently.com and on the InstaFace at IP underscore frequently. We are happy to hear from you and please uh, reach out to us. We are working, Brad, on our big uh, 80s Sweet 16 bracketology. Obviously, we've announced some of the top seeds. There are other seeds that are jockeying for position and we'll start that contest in the coming weeks. Lots of buzz there, lots of lots of buzz. As there should be. I mean, first of all, who doesn't love a good bracket? Everybody does. And then when you combine a bracket with 80s music, I mean, that, my friend, is a home run. Yep. Some would say there's nothing more important than, uh, than that. Others would not. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a matter of opinion. But as you pointed out earlier, it is, or at least it is supposed to be, a free country. It is. That's absolutely true. Next, uh, Brad, on our uh, list, we had a lot to get through here. JFK update. Of course, the QAnon people are waiting for uh, John F. Kennedy Jr. to come back and shepherd uh, Donald Trump into the White House uh, to start serving his second term. At this point, there have been a couple of cases of frostbite in Dealey Plaza, and there are a couple of people who have the same problem that Louis the dog does with uh, medicinal use of cocaine and some non-medicinal. But other than that, there have been no sightings of the... um, 
the prince of the Kennedy family, but we'll keep an eye out. And Jared, our producer, is still there waiting. Well, I mean, Jared is a guy that is hard to, you know, keep down. I'm sure he'll stay there until the story itself breaks, you know, one way or the other until the dead guy comes back and takes the former president back into office. I mean, that, that's a question you really have to ask yourself is if a dead guy comes back and he wants a particular person to be president, do you go along with that? Right. Or do you say, eh, something sketchy about the dead guy coming back. I'm not sure I want to go along with his selection for the chief executive. I mean, I think you go with it. I mean, my biggest concern with Jared being down there at Dealey Plaza was that he would develop a similar habit to Louis the dog. And then we'd have a whole different type of GoFundMe campaign that we'd have to uh, entertain. Well, I mean, fortunately for Jared, it's not cocaine. It's Swedish fish. He just shovels those things down. I'm not even sure what's in a Swedish fish. Uh, But at the end of the day, while it's probably not the best thing for you, my guess is it is better than cocaine. I just want to say it's definitely cocaine too. And I'm going to get this, this radio show done in about five minutes after we're done. Oh, nice. There you go. Hi as a kite and uh, working uh, for you in the IP frequently um, audience. Brad, next RIP report, the great um, Bob Saget. Someone say Saget. Uh, the uh, father on Full House, which was a story about a, uh, a, a guy with a bunch of kids who um, his wife left him or something. And then he had a bunch of people move in. And then he was also more importantly, Brad, the uh, um, host of America's funniest home videos, which was apparently uh, a top series for a number of years uh, where people would take their video camcorder and uh, record zany antics and then send them to Bob Saget and he would put them on the TV. Yeah. Then you could win thousands of dollars. So what's wrong with that? That's America, my friend. Yeah, yeah. No, that that is America. But what, what is your best Bob Saget uh, memory? Well, I, you know, I do remember Full House. I was of an age when it was popular that I didn't, you know, watch a lot of TV shows like that. It is now in reruns or whatever you call that. And um, my kids actually watch it, so they know who he is. And they kind of like it because they like the cute little twins and i guess there's twins but they only play one character i'm not not exactly sure how that works so you've got that going for you but for me it would have to be america's funniest home videos because while saget really didn't have a heck of a lot to do with that i mean basically he was sort of like a dj of funny videos there were some funny videos on that show next uh woke report this is where we go into all things woke and of course we've been monitoring things right we've been monitoring the um uh you know, the asteroid careening towards Earth. And Brad, by the way, the update on that, it continues to careen towards the planet Earth. Yeah, the whole thing is troubling, right? I mean, if it was just heading purposefully toward the planet Earth, then it would seem to be the kind of thing that you could probably deal reasonably with. I mean, if you have a person who's on a path they've selected for themselves in life, and that path happens to intersect the planet, which contains all of human life as far as we know, but they're just kind of purposely moving along. Then you look at that and you say, you know, I could probably reason with that asteroid. I could probably get that asteroid to reconsider its current path. But if it's just careening, if it's just out of control and just sort of randomly heading in your direction, I mean, that's the kind of thing that's going to be difficult to deal with. Yeah. But again, we're not saying that you should make plans, but um, if you could start digging a very, very deep hole, I think that's, <clears throat> Brad, that's the recommendation we're getting from the experts in the government, right? Dig a deep hole and just start, fortifying it 
Well, Brad, we're also obviously monitoring the exciting um, Ivy League swim season, as you know, as a father of, uh, as a girl dad, father of girls, mm-hmm. a lot of whom mm-hmm. compete in mm-hmm. competitions, competitive sport. We told the story a couple of weeks ago of the great Leah Thomas, who has been dominating uh, the Ivy League swim circuit, the, the female swim circuit, um, breaking records, Brad, um, but probably the foremost um, female swimmer in the Ivy League at this point. Um, of course, she he, he, she's transitioning from male to female and being allowed to compete at the University of Pennsylvania. Again, a Quaker school, Brad, a Quaker mm-hmm. school mm-hmm. founded the Oats and Wilford Brimley and all that. Mm-hmm. William Penn, I believe, Brad was a Quaker, I believe. I believe. Um, yeah. Uh, it was all named after him, too. Yeah. Anyway, Good man. Uh, yeah. so Leah Thomas dominated and went to the big uh, uh, Ivy League meet the other day to break a few more records when the immovable object that is Mr. Thomas met the immovable force that was um, this uh, uh, Isaac Hennig from Yale. Um, Isaac Hennig is a transitioning male at Yale who went up against Leah Thomas and uh, defeated him, her, in um, both the women's 100 and 400-yard freestyle races. So it's sort of like getting a little taste of your own medicine. This um, Isaac Hennig was a male and is uh, coming as a trans-gay athlete, but uh, obviously decided to compete in the women's division and uh, beat uh, Mr. Miss... Um, defeat Mr. Miss Thompson Thomas. Yeah, well, see, buddy, there you go. I mean, karma is around, and it's paying attention, and so I think all of us can, you know, kind of revel in that a little bit. But you know, I guess it's probably a stupid question, but my presumption is that in any race in which these two people competed, that an actual woman took no higher than third place. That would be my guess. Correct. And actually, the good news is Isaac Hennig, um, who was able to compete on the women's team because she, she had yet to start her testosterone treatment, um, also shattered the Ivy League record in the 50-yard freestyle. So she won that, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, at some point in time, I, I guess you just shrug and say, well, I, you know, they can call it what they want, but I'm watching men's sports. And you know, hopefully at some point someone will just decide, well, maybe what we should do is as opposed to pretending that this is fair or reasonable or makes any sense at all is we'll just create additional categories, right? For a long time, there was only men's sports, you know, women did not compete in sports, certainly at the college level. And then, you know, we created women's sports. That's been a good thing. And, you know, maybe what we just need to do is create trans sports and, you know, let those folks compete against each other, you know, regardless of the direction in which they're chemically headed and they can enjoy that process. And if you choose to watch that and cheer for it, you know, on ESPN, the Ocho, good for you. And, uh, you know, but I mean, it's just, again, this is, this has to be either one or two things is going to happen. Either all of humanity is going to go insane or this has to be a passing thing where eventually people will shake their heads and go, well, this is just stupid. That's not a woman. They're not competing fairly against other women. 
If they don't want to compete as men, that's fine. We will create yet another category. And, you know, those folks can compete against each other. That will be fair and equitable. It will actually be sport instead of a farce. And you know what? If that's what we want to do, that's fine. But you know what we have going on right now? Everyone just knows is silly. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. I mean, it's sort of if you look at it, the Ivy League swim meet is probably not as serious um, a an athletic endeavor as the uh, uh, Battle of the Network Stars, to tell you the truth. Or even remember the Laugh Olympics? I do remember the Laugh Olympics. I enjoyed the Laugh Olympics. Probably more of a serious athletic endeavor than the Ivy League swim meets. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. Well, you know, it's interesting, though. You say create these other categories, but then you get into other problems we have in doing so. So, for example, Dawn Henry. Do you know Dawn Henry, Brad? I don't believe I do. She is an Arizona woman who, innocently enough, tried to bar, uh, bar tried to buy an airplane ticket for her non-binary adult child to come home to Arizona uh, for the holidays. Of course, mm-hmm. Come Home to Arizona for Christmas, a very famous Dean Martin song. Wanted mm-hmm. her to come back to Scottsdale or Prescott, Arizona or Scottsdale and um, tried to buy the non-binary child a ticket. The problem is Delta Airlines, right? The bigots at Delta Airlines would not allow her to buy a gender X ticket, uh, obviously wanting the child to either... Um, Uh, indicate male or female as would be found on his her driver license um and uh so the the child was not able to come back to um scottsdale for the holiday season with don henry her mother so don henry is now boycotting delta saying that delta is uh discriminating against non-binary individuals not allowing them to fly um despite the fact that some states allow brad uh, X gender on their birth certificates, which is in, in the words of Don Henry, an outrage. And so you say you want to create this other category for these people, but when they go to buy their non-binary plane ticket home to Prescott, Arizona for the holidays, they can't get on that flight, Brad. Well, that is a problem. I will admit that is a problem, but you would think it would be an easy problem to solve. Right. Because if you're non-binary, as I understand it, you don't want to be either male or female. You don't you're not trying to be a third thing, though. You just don't want to be put in those crazy boxes that somehow humanity has come up with, which we call gender. You don't want to be you know, trapped in a box like that. So, you know what? That's fine. But if you're not trapped in any given box, and it seems to me you could choose whatever box you want for the flight. Right. If you're non-binary, you should be able to say, you know what, on this flight, damn it, I'm going to be a man. And you march on that airplane like a man. You take your seat like a man. You fasten your seatbelt like a man and you fly your man ass to Prescott, Arizona. Or, buddy, see, this is the benefit of being non-binary. You gracefully walk with a slight sachet down the aisle and you daintily place yourself in your seat. And you daintily fasten your seatbelt and you very primly pay attention to the stewardess as she gives you your safety briefing and you fly your genteel feminine ass to Prescott, Arizona. You can do either, but you and I don't have that choice. We have to fly like men. We're men. We have to fly like men. But if you're non-binary, see, to me, this isn't a problem. It's an opportunity. Yep. No, I think that's, I think that's exactly right. I mean, look, 
we want to give these um, folks every opportunity to fly Delta. I mean, Delta is, I mean, if you put a gun in my mouth and said, you have a choice of flying Delta or going and attending one of these Ivy League swim meets. I mean, first of all, I would be at a crossroads at that point because of two horrible options, but I would probably go for the swim meet. I don't think I could get on another Delta flight ever. Well, yeah, no, I know. I completely agree with that. It's like flying in the toilet, but the other issue is you don't currently live near where these competitions take place. So you'd have to fly to get there. I mean, you're in a real conundrum at that point. Yeah, it's true. I'd probably just take America West or something. Does that still fly here? Those are all those crash sun country. Yeah. You can hop on sun country as far as I know. See, that's a nice, that's a nice uh, airline. And, uh, you know, a lot of people enjoy that. And I think, Brad, this is the portion of the show where you and I are going to pick every NFL playoff game and uh, with the Vegas spread and talk about the winners and losers from this year's hockey draft. Is that this podcast? Oh, shoot. Sorry, I got the wrong notes. Uh, this is now obviously time for Bard or Band. We've whetted mm-hmm. everyone's appetite. The people in the audience, like Pavlovian dogs, are salivating. Brad, like Louis the dog, seeing a mound of cocaine uh, for this segment. Bronze, Stevie, be damned. It is barter band, what we're known for this segment. And here we go. Yeah. And here we go. And then we look, we have a lot of things to talk about, right? One of the things that the people downtown wanted us to talk about was congressional stock trading and whether or not that should be barred or banned. Obviously, uh, your favorite Nancy Pelosi uh, came out with. Um, a uh, staunch opposition to barring or banning her trading of stock. Of course she would. She's become a yeah. multimillionaire since she's been in, col- in, uh, in, in Congress. So we also have obviously uh, a lot going on with the asteroid and whether or not that should be barred or banned. That pedophile Prince Andrew, Brad, I know you wanted to beat him, but bar or ban would also do. Uh, but actually this week we're going to talk about quarantines. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about a particular uh, instance in Texas. Again, Texas, uh, really the most important state in the union. The straw that stirs the proverbial drink is uh, facing some strict quarantine policies from the federal government, from the CDC. Well, a Texas mother, do you know Sarah Beam? Sarah Beam? Is that B-E-E-M or B-E-A-M? B-E-A-M. She's not. I I don't know that one. Mm -hmm. She's the teacher at Cypress Falls High School. No, no, don't know that one. Well, she pulled up to a testing site in uh, in uh, in Texas earlier this week. And, um, you know, she had she's a teacher. Brad, she's a teacher. Uh, She had to get tested for the covid for some for some reason. And she uh, and I think it's because her son uh, had tested positive for the covid. He was 13. And so she pulls up to, you know, the drive through testing sites. Have you had the privilege of, uh, you know what, buddy, I have not had the privilege of going through a drive through testing site, but I know of what you speak. Yeah, I did one of those. Um, we were going to a dinner and we had to go through a drive through testing site. It was a, it was a pleasure. But uh, so she drives up to the drive through testing site against Sarah Beam from uh, uh, Texas and she gets her nose swabbed and she's pulling away. And as she's pulling away, they hear... And, you know, they, they wonder what it is, and they all look around, and then they hear more. You, you ever see Goodfellas? I have. 
when good you start movie. hearing the knocking in the trunk. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, it's, it's not, not good. good. So they, they say, well, what's in the trunk? And she looks at them and she's getting this teacher and says, well, that's my 13 year old year old son. He's quarantining. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And she couldn't have him in the car, but she didn't want to leave him at home. So she stuffed the kid in the trunk. Right. She stated that she put the kid inside the trunk to prevent her from getting exposed to possible covid while driving to the stadium for her own testing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I will stop you when I reach the part that's unreasonable. Keep going. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess that's the question. Is this inappropriate? Because, look, we're all worried about quarantining and isolation. But I mean, if you could just put the kid in the trunk and drive, the kid knows you're there. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, Yeah, the kid is being supervised. They're in the trunk. Yeah. Yeah, the child was not harmed. No. Um, you know, the, the, the child and the, the police, the police department investigated the incident and said that the child was not harmed and fine and no charges would be uh, would be would, would be pressed. But I mean, I, I don't know. I, usually you and I come out of here all indignant, bar this, ban this, beat this person, you know, ravage this Indian village with the scourge of crazy monkeys throwing dogs off of high buildings. In this case, I'm going to say this is a creative way to deal with the COVID-19 pandemic. And I'm going to say we should embrace this and maybe we should expand this through further CDC guidelines. Maybe Dr. Fauci could meet this woman. Maybe he could experience the inside of the trunk, Brad. Uh, I don't know. Well, but I mean, let's just review the facts, right? The kid tested positive for COVID. Yes. That is correct. And was required to quarantine, correct? Per the CDC guidelines, that is correct. That is correct. And so his loving mother put him safely, securely, through the words of the police department in that fine Texas town, was well cared for in the trunk of that car, positive for COVID, needed a quarantine. That's a confined space, but not a dangerous one. And the mother placed him in there and then, as any good citizen would, headed for the mobile testing site. because. Look, we are all aware that nothing is more important than knowing whether or not you have a disease for which you have no symptoms, right? And so she drives herself to the mobile site, son securely quarantining. Every minute of that trip in the trunk is a quarantine minute that counts towards his good behavior. I, I, I To your point, I don't see the problem. I think this is something that Fauci would applaud. I mean, this is the same guy that's funding Chinese virology research. I don't know why he wouldn't applaud putting people in the trunk. I, between those two things, probably being in the trunk is better for you. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. Yep, I, I agree. So I think I think with that, Brad, we've learned a lot about cocaine, adult dogs. Um, we've learned a lot about vice presidents who are actually Muppets. Windmills, Brad, big, big windmills. Um, Huge. Huge. We're keeping track, as we promised we would, of the Ivy League transgender swim season and, um, and of course, trunk quarantines. And, and as you look down as a listener of the show, and I'm watching everyone in this studio audience now as they look at their notes, look at your notes, appreciate the last hour of your life, mm-hmm. and go live your life this week. And remember, do not pick up a newspaper. Do not open a book because you're all set. That's right. And you may think that we've pulled off the impossible, but let me tell you what, it's just another day that ends in Y here on IP Frequently. 
This has been IP Frequently, once again clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome. <laughs>